Hello, and welcome to New People, New Ways, a podcast in partnership with Fresh Expressions Florida and Fresh Expressions United Methodist that explores new ways of being church through the stories and insights of scholars and practitioners alike. I'm Piper Ramsey Sumner, a layperson and cultivator of Fresh Expressions for the Florida Conference. And I'm Michael Adam Beck. I'm the director of Fresh Expressions Florida and Fresh Expressions UM. And today we are joined by our friend Luke Edwards. And Luke is the Associate Director of Church Development for the Western North Carolina Conference of the United Methodist Church. He's a trainer for Fresh Expressions North America and Fresh Expressions United Methodist and professionally trained ministry coach. He's the author of Becoming Church, a trail guide for starting Fresh Expressions, which I must say is an incredible book and becoming a widely used foundational text for the Fresh Expressions movement in North America and beyond. He co-leads a community of dads and father figures called Who Let the Dads Out, uh, Luke at Lake Norman. And Luke is an ordained elder in the United Methodist Church and was the founding pastor of King Street Church, a network of fresh expressions in Boone, North Carolina. He grew up in an area of Western Massachusetts that was recently named the most post-Christian metropolitan area in the United States, where he joined his first microchurch at age 14. Between his upbringing and his work in local, regional, national levels of the Fresh Expressions movement, Luke has a unique perspective into the future of the church in a post-Christian society. He lives in Denver, North Carolina, where he enjoys hiking, coaching, and daughter soccer team, and being a super fan of Charlotte FC his local professional soccer club. And I'll also say that Luke has an incredible resource called The Listening Church uh, that you can Google, and I'm sure he'll share more about that um, as we talk today. But so, Luke, we like to begin every um, interview with this question. Who is Luke Edwards? Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Piper. It's fun to be on the show. Been enjoying listening to all the episodes, so it's an honor to be on here. Um, who is Luke Edwards? Um, I am a husband and a dad. Uh, been married for I think twelve years. Um, <laughs> Better get that right. I know I should. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I have two daughters, uh, almost five year old and a one year old, uh, and I love uh, being their dad. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I'm vastly outnumbered. Uh, and yeah, so I, I love being a part of a family. I'm a, I'm a friend. Um, I have uh, just a high value of friendship in my life. And so I've got some, some close friends that I uh, keep up with often and um, think that that's just a, a super important part of life. Um, and I like uh, surprising friendships too, uh, friendships with folks that um, you wouldn't uh, think that you would have, uh, that's something I, I put a high value on. Um, I'm a learner. I love reading all kinds of random stuff. I'll go down weird, uh, rabbit trails, uh, just learning and, um, and trying to you know, stay connected to what's happening in, uh, the world around me, uh, in ministry, in the church, um, and in, uh, the, the, the culture um, of uh, the United States and 
tech, all the kinds of different things. I just constantly learning, constantly reading. Um, I'm a United Methodist minister. I didn't grow up United Methodist. I grew up non-denominational and, uh, and heavily involved with Young Life. Um, but when I came to college, got connected with the Wesley Foundation and, and really found a spiritual home in United Methodism. And so that's an important part of who I am now. And um, as a, a, a pastor in the Methodist Church, um, just, yeah, deeply committed to uh, helping uh, our denomination to adapt to the changing world that we find ourselves in. Um, so that's a big part of me too, is I'm an innovator, a, a person who's always looking ahead and um, trying to help the church to um, adapt to this changing world that we're in. So I, um, you know, I want there to be a, a beautiful, thriving church for Mary Frances when she's my age. Um, and so that's uh, what I work for and, and that's my why. Um, and so, yeah, as the associate director of church development, I help help the Western North Carolina conference, uh, to adapt, to start fresh expressions. I'm, uh, uh you know, helping folks across the conference cultivate new fresh expressions. And, um, that's, yeah, that's my life. And then soccer is a big part of it these days. Uh, I think I was just eager for a, a new kind of distraction and, uh, Charlotte got a new MLS uh, major league soccer team, and I just dove headfirst into being a soccer supporter and all that culture, and it's been really fun. That's awesome. I love that because you're like the team feel it is so new, and then I was like, oh, I think I heard that Charlotte has a new team, and then all of a sudden it was like everything you had the shirts and you had all the season passes and you were like taking all these selfies in the stadium. And I was like, didn't they just get here? How is Luke already like the biggest fan? <laughs> <laughs> He's the early yeah. adopter. Oh yeah. 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 That, that was kind of attractive to me to like be a part of it before it even started. Uh, it, no one can claim I'm a fair weather fan, you know? That's mm. true. Uh, I kind of feel that way. Um, with myself, like when there's like a new TV show or a new series or something, if I get too late getting into it, I feel like I can't really truly get into it. I want to be there right at the start, you know? Right. Yeah. The, the hipster in you, Piper. Maybe it is. And you've got it too. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> okay. Well, I have a question, but first I want to say to our listeners and to you guys that it's raining really hard here in Tallahassee. So I'm sorry if you hear the rain behind me. Um, I don't know if I'm tech savvy enough to fix that in post-production, but we'll see. But maybe it'll be soothing, except for the thunder. <laughs> oh. There it was. There it was. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> but so um, in your bio, Luke, you talk about um, how you joined your first micro church when you were 14. Um, I want to kind of blend this in with this other question that's about um, how you got connected into the Fresh Expressions movement. Do you kind of see that microchurch? Maybe tell us a little bit about what that experience was like and if that kind of pushed you on your trajectory towards Fresh Expressions. Yeah. Uh, so the the microchurch I talk about that I joined in 14 was actually Young Life, which at the time would have called itself a parachurch organization. But once I got connected with Fresh Expressions, I had a new kind of lens in which to view uh, 
that childhood experience with Young Life, and it really was a microchurch because for the vast majority of the people that were a part of that faith community, they weren't a part of another church. Um, I was. I grew up in a traditional church um, from birth uh, on, was at church every Sunday morning, but um, for the majority of the folks that were part of that Young Life group in Western Massachusetts, which super post-Christian um, place, uh, that that was their church and um, that we didn't have that language for that because that parachurch kind of mindset was so ingrained. Um, but I, I, I think um, Fresh Expressions has, has get, given me a, a different lens for that. Um, but can you remind me of the second part of that uh, question? Um, I was asking if that kind of blended in with your journey of being connected with the Fresh Expressions movement now as a minister. Yeah, definitely. So it, it, it totally formed me um, and uh, gave me the mindset, gave me the ecclesiology, gave me the uh, the tools that I've used for Fresh Expressions. Um, it was a, a foundation, I guess. Um, and, and so when... Uh, yeah, I was a, a missions pastor at Boone United Methodist Church um, in 2013 when uh, my senior pastor asked me to start a campus at Boone UMC in the downtown area of Boone, uh, which is called King Street. And um, so I ended up starting this kind of new form of church with folks that were uh, not connected to church previously um, or hadn't been for a really long time. And um what emerged uh there's just like this new form of church we're like what the heck is this like it feels like church but it doesn't look like um other churches around it definitely doesn't look like a methodist church um and so after bouncing around between different models and uh different kind of um yeah what new forms of church we we encountered fresh expressions it's like oh this is what we're doing um and so, yeah, once I found Fresh Expressions, I was like, oh, this is what I've been doing for a long time. Uh, this is, uh, and it was just a perfect language for who I was um, as a, a, a minister. Like a lot of the other models of new forms of church, like house churches and stuff, are like kind of anti-clergy, anti-denomination. Um, and I was a clergy person of a mainline denomination. Like that wasn't helpful. And so to find fresh expressions that had this language of the mixed economy, blended ecology, and then um, had this uh, way in which it it fit new forms of church within a very traditional institution. Um, it was just like a perfect, perfect fit. I like that you viewed Young Life as um, a micro church because I think you're right. Like, I think groups like that, I actually, I just met with um, the youth director for my district and we were talking about doing fresh expressions and how, um, how easy that it seems like it could be, you know, just, Hey, we're going to meet at the ice cream place on Tuesday, bring a friend. And that's how it starts and it can build. And this guy, he was, he's a youth pastor, but, and he doesn't really even have a lot of familiarity with fresh expressions, but he was like, and yeah, I mean, I could see those, that community could become church for them. And I was like, you got it. <laughs> you don't even know fresh expressions and you know what that means. It just kind of first, like, I feel like it can come naturally when we just start to think about 
the people when you can a people first thing when you're thinking about those teenagers or the people that you're wanting to build community with um that's what I love about fresh expressions is that it evolves kind of just naturally. And then there's people like you and me. And I know Michael had a similar experience where you're just doing some kind of church, some kind of cool ministry idea. And you learn about the fresh expressions movement. And you're like, Oh, that describes what I'm already doing. You know? Right. Yeah. And there's like a, there was a hesitancy in young life and in campus ministry. I was really involved with campus ministry to say, to be clear, like, Hey, this isn't, church like we still want you to be connected to a sunday morning church and i think part of that was just like recognizing that a, a youth couldn't be in young life forever and a college student couldn't be in campus ministry forever so like we need to prepare them for the real world church which is going to be like sunday morning and a little more boring and a little less communal but now like with fresh expressions emerging like maybe we don't have to worry about that maybe that like if Young Life is your form of church while you're a youth, maybe when you go to college, you have that campus ministry. Maybe if you don't go to college, you find a fresh expression that you can connect with. Um, mm-hmm. That there's a better, an easier bridge to cross than like going from this heavily, like small, intimate, like fun, interactive thing to like a uh, 300 people on Sunday morning sitting in pews. Like it's just such a dramatic jump, you know? Yeah. And it seems like that jump has been too much for people to make because um, I think all the data statistics point to the fact that people who grow up in that kind of a church really, uh, where it has all the elements of church that we talk about in fresh expressions, those interlocking relationships with God, with each other, with the world, with the wider church, um, but then you go to this other thing and it's not like that at all. And, uh, I think that's why we hemorrhage a lot of young people that could really bring their gifts, their voices, their passions to the church. And because they don't find that kind of community, they're like, yeah, no, I think, um, I'll just do something else. Yep. Yeah. So I wonder if uh, Fresh Expression is actually a way to create that kind of community for every age group of people um, where they can have that kind of intimacy and community in a church. Yeah, I think so. So you wrote this amazing book. Um, and uh, tell us, like, it's super practical on how to, you know, cultivate new Christian communities, how to actually create these fresh expressions. What was your motivation? Like, what what brought you to that place? Yeah. The uh, When I first encountered fresh expressions, the blended ecology stood out to me, and then the fresh expressions journey. Um, so, like, right out of the bat, those two things were super helpful. And particularly the Fresh Expressions journey. So the uh, for those that are listening that don't know what that is, it's like the, the six steps that most Fresh Expressions have gone through, and the the church in the uh, the uh, church in the UK identified that. Um, so the early kind of Fresh Expressions folks identified as patterns. Looks like six circles typically is how it's uh, illustrated, and it was just crazy helpful for me when I was starting Fresh Expressions at King Street Church. It gave me a kind of uh, a, a map of where I was heading with these groups. Um, it 
just kind of visualized a, a, a simple process and um, it it was just yeah so helpful that I, like immediately um, started like wanting to learn more about each of those stages and I uh, you know I've got my journal from way back when I was starting uh, King Street Church and I've started taking notes on each of those circles um, mentioned earlier that I'm a, a learner so I've just got notes everywhere uh, they're on my computer now but back in the day they're in a big old journal and um and so yeah i started taking notes on each of those circles you know listening like what what does it look like to listen to the community listen to god what are things i'm reading that uh inform that um uh you know loving people uh what am i learning about that building community all these things started taking notes and then like uh, so i've read a ton of church planting books i've read a ton of missions books i've read a ton of uh, theology, a ton of uh, fresh expression books, and um, I would point people to all of them uh, when when folks would say, "Hey, I want to start fresh expressions. What should I read?" And I'd point people to them. Um, but what I found with most of the fresh expression books at the time was there there were like a chapter on the fresh expressions journey, or there was a book about how to start fresh expressions, but it didn't go like one, two, three, four, five, six on the fresh expressions journey. It'd be a little bit, a uh, little bit more nuanced. And I, I felt like it would be a really helpful resource for um, the folks that I had begun to work with. So uh, I led King Street Church from 2013 to 2019. Um, and from 2017 on, I was helping churches in the Western North Carolina conference start Fresh Expressions. So I was uh, kind of the point person for our conference and Fresh Expressions cultivating. And um, and then in 2019, uh, started that full time at the conference office. Um, and that's where I'm at still today. So I started working with a lot of folks that were saying, hey, I want to do this. How do I do it? What should I read? What should I, uh, how can you help me learn how to do this? Um, and I would tell them about the Fresh Expressions journey, send them the image of that and um, talk with them through it. And I'd send them these books and it and some of them were, were helpful. Some of them weren't as helpful. But I, I just thought it would be a really helpful thing to be able to send to someone a book with that went through each of these uh, stages with a with its own chapter um, and, and just found that was a really clean way to learn about starting Fresh Expressions. And there wasn't a book that was like as clean uh, through it. Um, so that was what kind of inspired it. I, I uh, shared that with uh, Chris Backer, the uh, national director of um, Fresh Expressions North America. And he's like, I like it. Yeah. I mean, I think at that point, you know, I had started, we had started uh, six Fresh Expressions at King Street. I'd um, helped, you know, dozens of other Fresh Expressions in the conference uh, start. And so I, was collecting stories, collecting insights, learning from my my own experiences, but also the people that I worked with. Um, so I, I had all the pieces. I had those notes that I had started taking. I just kind of had to put them together. Um, and then you mentioned practical. Like since I had read a bunch of books, like I I knew what I liked, and I knew what I didn't like, and I knew what I wanted to be able to hand to people in my conference. So that's what I, how I kind of wrote it. I like, 
I visualized a couple of the, the lay people in my conference um, who were passionate about starting a fresh expression and I wrote it to them basically. Um, and then one of the people I wrote it to was my wife uh, who up until my book had never finished a nonfiction book that I tried to get her to read. <laughs> like, she loves fiction. She'll read it and like, she'll read like a 300 page book in a week. Uh, mm -hmm. But if I would give her like a Brene Brown book or like any kind of like nonfiction, I'm like, Oh, you're going to like this one. Like this totally relates to your life. She like couldn't finish it. Like, she just <laughs> had this kind of block. <laughs> and so I was like, all right, how can I write this uh, for someone like Jenna? Who's just not used to reading nonfiction like church resources. So I was like, I'm gonna make this kind of fun. I'm gonna make, put a, a nice extended metaphor in here. So I use the uh, extended metaphor of through hiking the Appalachian trail. Um, and then uh, try to, you know, make it light, funny, but also have a lot of practical suggestions for what to do. And then a lot of stories um, and then some, some good theology mixed in too. Mm -hmm. I think it's a great book, and I, I do love the imagery and the metaphor that you use, for sure. I think a lot of people can can get that, even if they haven't, like most people, hiked the Appalachian Trail. <laughs> right. It's still understandable, for sure. And we'll put a link to it in the show notes so that people can check it out if they want to and read, read that for themselves. The real question is, did you put, um, like, dragons and princesses and knights in it for the for the um, novel readers. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a good idea. Yeah. Maybe next time. Yeah. Next time. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things, like I love how practical that you do a lot of your training. And um, I always wonder and think about like, and want to hear from you and your experience. What are the things that usually get people stuck? Like where do people get stuck maybe in that fresh expressions journey or maybe even before that process even starts, what have you kind of seen and what's the way that you have found that you're, that you can get people to get kind of jump over that hurdle. Mm -hmm. Oh, there's lots. Um, you know, sometimes I guess ahead of time, people overcomplicate it. Um, they think they have to start this huge ministry and have this huge plan five-year plan and a, a thousand thousands of dollars of budget money raise and all these kinds of things and it's just um you know the fresh expressions journey is just really simple it's like find a find a few people to uh to go out to build relationships to build community and 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 then look for open doors for discipleship um so so yeah i think overcomplicating it i think as for my context uh, in the Western North Carolina conference, like we're just very, um, it's hard for us to think beyond attractional ministry. Mm. Um, so a lot of the fresh expression ideas that will emerge will be real attractional at first. And you gotta, uh, it, it takes some coaching to, to help someone move from attractional to incarnational. Um, so like, uh, like when we, we started a bunch of dinner churches before the pandemic um, and most of them have shut down since, since then a lot of them are starting back up. Now. Um, a lot of, a lot of the churches that started their dinner churches, uh, it ended up being fairly uh, attractional at first. And we really had to do some coaching around, Hey, like what else could you do besides putting a sign out front 
uh, about your free community meal? Like, how can you uh, form some community partnerships? How can you uh, go out into the neighborhoods where uh, folks are in your community and build those relationships so that you can then invite folks um, into community later? Like, um, I think that's uh, a big challenge. Um, one of the one thing that folks mistakes that a lot of folks make too is just having too big of a team at, at first. Um, so like it ends up being a bunch of church folks meeting out into the out in the community um, as opposed to uh, just a couple of church folks getting. Uh, together with folks outside of the church. Um, and then another one, I guess let's call this one the last one, but um, just having too much of your idea formed at the front. Um, and, and so it becomes another kind of program-driven initiative as opposed to people-driven, which mm -hmm. the Fresh Expressions journey really tries to um, encourage. Like, no, like listen first, build relationships first, um, build community first, and then you'll kind of discover what that gathering looks like. Mm -hmm. um, we, we just, we like having the gathering first, uh, something about us. We like having a kind of copy and paste, uh, program. It's just mm -hmm. easier on us or, or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Luke, I like how, um, in, in the part of the journey where we get to loving and serving, um, there's a lot of that that comes off as like toxic charity or your community sucks and you need to go make it better or, uh, you know, people have needs. And so you got to, but um, you really reframe that to help us think about what are the assets of a community? Um, what are the life giving things of a community that you can go and, you know, love people around that? What are the you know practices that are actually binding people together and ever deepening relationships? And um, tell us some of the work that you've done on that of like reframing loving and serving doesn't have to be. It gets caught in exactly what you named that attractional kind of paradigm where it's we got to go do stuff to our community in Jesus' name to make it better, rather than seeing a really beautiful community that Jesus is already involved in. Like no matter where, where we go, there's Jesus. Hey, I'm Jesus. I was here, you know, before y'all got here, but I'm glad you finally made it out here. Uh, and here's what's going on. Right. So help us reframe that a little bit. Yeah. So that was like a, a personal uh, learning for me where I started uh, out at Boone UMC as a worship leader. And then pretty quickly I was studying social work and one of my projects was to do something with a nonprofit. And so I was like, Hey, can I do a community assessment with my church? And they were like, yeah, sure. That works. So we started doing some community assessment work. Um, and, uh, I helped our church start a local missions program and it was pretty much that kind of, toxic charity at first. Um, but, uh, my friend and I, uh, encountered Christian community development association, CCDA, and just learned about toxic charity and about, 
uh, like empowerment models of ministry. And so we got really into that. And uh, what I, f- I, I found that um, just approaching the community with solutions, I was like cutting us off from being in community together. And so uh, with, with that experience, when we started King Street Church, I wanted to do something different to, to instead of uh, bringing a solution, like coming with the intention of building relationships and building community and then finding solutions together. So with, with King Street Church, we started by building relationships and by studying scripture together and having spiritual conversations together, praying together. Um, and pretty quickly we connected with folks that were experiencing homelessness, that were uh, incarcerated at the local county jail, um, that were getting out of incarceration. Um, and when we approached uh, that justice work together, so as a community, like with folks that were experiencing these these social problems and these uh, these marginalizing these uh, oppressive systems, like we just designed totally different interventions, and they were um, so much more holistic. And um, it's just so. I went on a pretty dramatic journey from like savior complex, like, yes, I need to serve and solve all of my neighbor's problems to saying like, whoa, this world is really complicated and these social problems are really complicated. um, And I'm really complicated. My neighbors are really complicated and they are not problems to be fixed. They are like friends to be enjoyed. And like as friends and as community, then we can seek liberation together. Um, and I might have something to offer. I might not, but, uh, but that, that gathering together in Christ and in scripture and in with the hopes of, of all of us becoming free, um, like some really cool stuff happened. So, so yeah, when we, when we talk about that second stage, like I, I changed the language in my book from loving and serving to loving people because like service, uh, it, it, so the language of service, the language of meeting needs, like I'm kind of done with them. Like, I think, uh, we need to address justice issues, but, uh, we're putting a lot of band-aids on gaping wounds that, uh, won't be healed by band-aids. Um, and we need to get at the root of these things. And I think um, being in community together is one way that that happens. Um, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I love that. I think that's totally, you know, um, thinking about the, I don't know, like relationality. That's like, that's all I see when I read the gospels, when I hear about what Jesus was up to, it's all about existing with and alongside people and, you know, sharing meals and touching and walking alongside people and hearing their stories. That's what Jesus was constantly doing, you know, and the incarnation, you mentioned the idea of being incarnational, you know, like God didn't just, um, come down and do some redemptive act and then go away. God came and lived and dwelled and became human, you know, 
And mm. I think that's what that's what we can as, you know, as Christians, as humans, we model that in our own, you know, ways that we can. And part of that is through just existing alongside people and, and investigating what it really means to be a neighbor, you know, mm. um, mm. how does that, how does that look, you know? Um, the Good Samaritan story, you know, go back to that all the time. It's like uh, unlikely, unlikely relationships with unlikely people, you know, and connecting with them and um, working fight and fighting for each other. And I think, I don't know, there's so many good things about that. And that's what that's to me is what the Christian life is all about. You know, all the other stuff's kind of fluff. But like for me, it's about our relationships and embodying what Jesus did, you know. Right. Yeah. And I, I just found like service you can actually keep people at a distance by serving them, you know, mm-hmm. like it's way easier to serve people food from a buffet line mm-hmm. at a soup kitchen than it is to like be in relationship together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I love the language that we're trying to, you know, put out into the world through fresh expressions, UM and have a distinct Wesleyan kind of perspective on all this of adventuring. Um, so we're, you know, we're Advent people, right? We're on a, an adventure of Jesus coming in the past, coming in us um, today and coming again soon um, to kind of consummate and heal all of creation and bring forth the new creation. And I like to talk about, um, this is more like a treasure hunt. So we're, we're treasure hunting for beauty, goodness, and truth that's already in the world. Um, and that, you know, that distinct prevenient grace idea that the Holy Spirit goes before us and is working in people's lives and in communities. And, um, I feel like that puts us in a, a a place of being right sized or humility where like we're acknowledging we're not coming with the solutions. We're not coming with, um, all the, all the stuff that the community needs to get fixed. we're, we're coming in a space of vulnerability and um, we're trying to find what the Holy Spirit's doing before us in communities. Um, so I love how you've been able to bring that forth in your work. And um, tell us about like listening church and and some of your work in that area. And um, what are some of your key findings that as you've been doing this research and, and becoming a listening church? Yeah. So it kind of flows out of what we were just talking about Um so in my my first attempt at uh, listening to the community, um, it was a needs assessment. You know, it was all right. What are what are the needs in this community? Um, what are the holes in the kind of social agencies that aren't meeting those needs? Okay, that's what the church should be doing. Um, and that was my first stab at a, at, a, at listening to the community. Um, and it didn't end particularly well. <laughs> I, I realized that uh, I didn't fix any of those needs that I had identified. You know, like I made a difference in some lives with some people. But, um, uh, but yeah, so that was that first uh, attempt at, at doing a, a, a listening process. And then um, when I started King Treat Church, it, it looked really different. Um, instead of uh, looking for needs that needed to be met, it was more... Um, asking folks like, Hey, what is, what's your spiritual life? Like, what would you look for in a spiritual community? Um, what's your experience been with the church? Uh, 
what would uh, would you ever be a part of a church? If so, what would it look like? You know, like it was very different questions. Um, and uh, for me, I, I came to this realization that like the questions that we ask of our community will impact the answers that we hear. And the answers that we hear are what's going to impact the ministry that we do. And so if the, our first attempt, if our initial listening is always a needs assessment, we're just always going to find needs. There will always be needs to find um, in our community. And, and sometimes that's the right thing for the church to do. But I think the church is also called to be a, a spiritual home for people. Like um, the church is also called to be a place of, of belonging, a place of, of welcome and, and hospitality. And so like uh, it, our listening needs to be more holistic. So that, that was one thing I found. Another thing I found when I started working at Carmen's office is we are like addicted to demographic studies. Um, and like, we love them and they're great. Like you should not try to listen to your community without a demographic study. Um, but if that it's not a substitute for talking to your neighbors, you know, it's not a substitute for, um, for like, having your feet hit the ground in your neighborhood. Um, so that was another thing. And then another thing I found was that like, uh, there wasn't a, a spiritual element to much of the community assessment I witnessed. Uh, so even like in the community development um, areas of ministry, often it, there wasn't a focus on that, that spiritual, um, the, the spiritual questions, those, those questions about, people's deep spiritual longings. Um, and, and it was more around the longings of around justice, around um, kind of political uh, uh, um, equality, those kinds of things, you know, like, um, and those are important. But again, not, I, I was looking for something that, that could be holistic. Um, and so out of that, um, when I signed up, uh, when Michael Beck finally convinced me to, uh, uh, get a doctorate of ministry at United with him. Uh, thank you, Michael. Um, I was like, well, this might be a good time to work on that. Um, so I've been, uh, yeah, started something called the listening church. Um, and it's, a uh, it's still in flux a little bit. I, I've released a, um, a kind of beta version of a, a spiritual listening plan. So it's a, a series of activities that, <coughs> sorry, a church can go through, um, can form a, a listening team to uh, listen to God, uh, to listen to uh, the congregation, and then to listen to their neighbors. Um, and there's activities in each of those categories. Um, a church can do you know, just a couple from each, each category, or they can do the whole thing. Um, and then out of that, the idea is that you have this, um, this really helpful information that can help you discern um, ministry innovation, that can help you discern next steps, um, that can help you discern uh, where your church should focus. Um, so, so I've been working on that um, for the last few months and gotten a lot of really positive feedback on it. Um, it's still uh, being tweaked and adapted. Um, really, I'm listening to people as they uh, try it out. <laughs> but yeah, it's been really fun. So what do you say, I, I get this a lot, um, 
Yeah, a lot of our congregations are in rural contexts. Um, I've served rural contexts my whole ministry up until I'm currently now in a, a somewhat of a city. But up until this point, I've been in rural churches. And I, I hear people say, well, how do I listen in my neighborhood? I don't have a neighborhood. Uh, how do you do this in a rural setting? We don't have third places. We don't have any of those things. Um, I know that you're a person who's been committed to the rural church and its renewal. So how do you respond to that? How does Fresh Expressions work and emerge in, in rural settings? Um, so, I, yeah, I think the the church has, like, not done a great job of creating resources that uh, resonate with uh, with rural communities. Uh, but for me, the, this like deep listening, it's not dependent on a. Um, it, it's 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 almost universal in its necessity for a church, and so, um, you know, the it's a. On the one hand, it's a, a wider kind of lifestyle change to to move from assuming we know everything to uh, having a posture of attentiveness and of learning, um, and that transcends suburban, urban, rural. Like, like, yes, it looks different to listen in a rural setting, but being open to new information, being attentive to the uh, conversations, having one-on-one interviews with your neighbors like these are things that happen across uh those uh different places you know like i did my ministry in boone was probably a mix of suburban and rural um is a college town in the appalachian mountains but as soon as you left the city limits it was rural appalachia um and you know i'd have incredible conversations on the front porch you know sitting in a rocking chair with a uh, older guy and, and I would be listening, you know, he'd be telling me about his life. He'd be telling me about his community. He'd be telling me about his neighbors and how they would come together. Uh, he'd be telling me about how things were changing, you know, all these different things. This was, this was spiritual listening that was happening on the front porch. Um, and, and so I think, yeah, there, this is something that I think folks in rural settings will resonate with and they'll have creative ways of doing it um, just like urban and suburban folks will. Cool. So I know that you're going to be uh, one of the keynote speakers at a big event coming up here in the fall, Rural Rising. And um, I'm really, really excited to be able to learn from you. Uh, Piper, what else? Who else is going to be at that? Like, can we do a little plug here? Since oh, yeah, Luke is definitely. One of- <laughs> yeah, so um, Rural Church Rising is a conference that it's the, from what I know, it seems like it's it's the first ever United Methodist, uh, like Wesleyan approach to doing rural church uh, through Fresh Expressions uh, conference. And so um, we're meeting in, um, we're going to be meeting at Warren Willis, which is a summer camp um, in a rural area in uh, Florida, in central Florida. And some of our speakers include uh, Luke Edwards and Michael Beck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> as well as um, the scholar um, tech sample who is wonderful and I'm really excited to hear from him I've been reading his books for years and we have um, Chris and JD Smith who are coming from Western North Carolina yeah. um, Elaine Heath who is also in North Carolina we have a lot of North Carolina people um, the Florida Bishop Tom Berlin's gonna be there um, Stacy Spence Baldwin, who also just got her doctorate of ministries, and she uh, focused in on rural church. And one of the ways that her passions, being a um, multiple point pastor in rural Florida, is um, through horses and therapeutic riding. And she has fresh expressions that emerge out of that. Um, we also have Micah Blanks, who was a pastor in um, Appalachia for years and years, and award winning pastor there. Did a lot of really cool things. Um, and I think that's all that we have so far. There's probably going to be some more. So we're really excited about it. And we got like, I feel like we have like a dream team of speakers who are going to have some really awesome insight. It's going to be really, really fun, really exciting. And I will definitely put a link in our show notes so people can find it. Yeah. And one of the things I love about you, Luke, is even though you are officially, you've sold your soul to the company store and you work as the... <laughs> You're, you're up in the Death Star, essentially, of the empire. But um, you continue to be a practitioner at a local level. So you've started Who Let's the Dads Out, and you continue to be in ministry as a practitioner and kind of bringing both those worlds together. So I love that you can speak about rural ministry, not as somebody who's removed from it currently in this moment in the 21st century, but as a real practitioner with a heart for it, who's also on the uh, dance floor, you know, figuring out and have a balcony view over an entire conference and really a denomination. Uh, so thank you for that. And give us a, a like a little snippet preview of what you're thinking you're going to be sharing about. <laughs> well, whatever y'all ask me to share about. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I think listening might be a, a, a part of it. Um, as uh, one thing I'm I'm interested in right now is our so I, I live in Denver, North Carolina, which is one of the last holdouts of uh, Charlotte suburbia. Um, so it's Lincoln Lincoln County, um, and they didn't want to become a suburb of Charlotte. So like all the suburbs grew uh, around Lincoln County. Uh, with Charlotte kind of uh, south of us. And eventually Lincoln County was like, okay, fine, we can't hold it back any longer and started embracing it. Had a big highway got put in. Um, and so now it's pretty young at, in comparison to the surrounding area of uh, rural becoming suburban. And so it's like this kind of borderland phenomenon that I think a lot of rural uh, folks might identify with where um, there's still a lot of elements of rural culture, but the city is coming quick um, and the non-rural people are um, coming quick. And so it's really interesting kind of place to live and to observe. Um, but one thing that I'm paying attention to is the, uh, the local dirt racetrack. So I don't know, that might be something that I uh, incorporate into. Uh, I'm on there the Facebook group and um, it's been really interesting local culture. Um, so that might be something I play around yeah. with. Get yourself nice. a car. 
start working on it. <laughs> I think my wife would kill me, but <laughs> you could just sponsor somebody else to do it and cheer for There we go. But you're going to be the super fan. Get the t-shirt. Yep. <laughs> That's awesome. My parents live in a kind of similar area in Texas where it's like, Every time I come home, it's like the neighbor, there's more neighborhoods that are going out into what used to be ranches and things like that, you know. And I always mm-hmm. wonder, like, where are the people that grew up there? I wonder what they think about how there's like a suburban neighborhood in the middle of what used to be their house, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's something I hope we will talk about the conferences, that kind of dealing with all of the changes and shifts. Because I think our culture and our world is always changing but in places like that, it feels like almost more potent. Like you can see and feel that change and pe- mm. a lot of people's lives are so intertwined. And so, um, you know, one person moves out and the whole community can kind of feel the waves of that. And so how do you do ministry in a space like that? And how do you, you know, in the, in the face of a changing, shifting culture in a place that it seems like sometimes time slows down, you know, in a lot of those small, small towns and rural communities. Um, yep. Yeah, we got a really great, good pe- group of people. Are going to talk about it from a multicultural point of view and from a like practical, and then some of the bigger, like overarching, big ideas as well. So it's good. Uh, October twenty seventh and twenty eighth. I want to say that's when the dates are, but you can find it on our website and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Cool. Well, one of our um, one of the questions, another one of the questions that we ask every time that we do this interview. Um, is this one. So Luke, what does the future of the church look like to you and what is your hope for it? Oh man, it's a big question. Um, and this is a kind of question that gets me excited. I, I think we can't even begin to picture the change that's coming for the church, particularly the mainline church. I think we're going to be smaller, um, a lot smaller, but I think we're going to be more um, impactful. I think uh, we'll figure out ways to um, to function on less money, on uh, on less buildings, um, but that will the the folks that come will be committed, will be deeply longing for uh, an encounter with God and for the kingdom to come. Um, I think uh, the heyday of the mainline um, where it was might've been bigger. It was also um a, a social (laughs) gathering um, as opposed to a a gathering of people who wanted to be deeply transformed. So I think um, on one hand, it's scary to think about um, becoming smaller, but on the other hand, it's exciting to think about what it could look like to be a a committed um, kind of remnant and uh, a people who deeply long for uh, the kingdom to come. Uh, so I, I think that will be a big part of it. I think, you know, the role of clergy will be very different. I think we'll, there'll be a lot flu- fewer of us. There'll be a, more of a, a supervisor where the laity will be really the ones driving ministry. 
um, and uh, the clergy will be uh, folks that are helping make it all come together. Um, I think I, I wonder if it'll look more like group spiritual direction than it looks like a Sunday morning corporate worship where the where the worship comes from the stage. Hmm. And then I think there'll be a, a passion for uh, community impact as well for racial justice, for ecological justice, for um, economic justice. And that uh, when the church is really committed to uh, the gospel, then uh, we'll begin to kind of live into that. I've been reading about uh, early Quakers, and they uh, this this uh, book said that they were a, a thorn in the side of the English government. You know, I think we'll become thorny again. Luke, since since you kind of thought about this deeply and really put a lot of prayer and time into it, um, and I love ev everything about your answer, but the part about group spiritual direction and um, communities looking like that, um, what would you tell people, um, what are some of the most important skills, things that we should do now? to kind of prepare ourselves for that reality. Yeah. So my wife helped me figure this one out at King street church. Uh, you know, I was like, all right, so what does proclamation look like in this little group of young people that are passionate about, uh, spiritual connection, you know, and spiritual community. And so I was like, all right, I'll just shorten my sermon. And so I would do little five minute sermons and then, Right afterwards, people would start commenting about it. And my wife, after one of them, was like, hey, Luke, I don't think they want to hear you talk. I think they want to talk. <laughs> um, and so from then on at King Street Church, I would prepare uh, the proclamation time almost like I would a sermon, like I would do the same exegetical work and the research around it. But then I would... I would create open-ended questions around the scripture. So we'd read scripture together and then we'd, I'd ask three to five open-ended questions that were well thought out. And then I would lead a conversation around the, the, the table, whether it's at the pub, at the, the metal table in the B pod of the County jail or the uh, chairs pulled around in the computer lab of the homeless shelter. Um, we would sit around in a circle and it was like, it was, it was like a, the jazz band leader, you know, the guy nodding, Hey, what do you think over there? Um, or, or, all right, your turn to solo for a little bit. Um, you know, this, it was, it was an art of group conversation and of digging deeper of, uh, discovering, um, what everyone had to offer. And what was cool about it is the conversations were so much better than what any of my sermon would have been on, on that topic, you know, like, mm -hmm. and what it was, whether they were Christian or not Christian, like some of our agnostics are uh, folks that 
uh, were not anywhere close to being committed Christians, like they contribute some of the greatest things to the conversation and like help me be a better follower of Jesus. Um, so like, it might be scary, a scary thought, but man, it's exciting and it's rewarding and it's like, you, you'll grow. Um, uh, so I think preaching's going to go through some changes. Um, but don't, don't tell all the people that are preaching. <laughs> All the preaching uh, professors and things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Board of Ordained Ministry that has a whole section on preaching. Mm. Yeah, so I feel like I didn't think about how much those um, sermonic conversations, as Michael calls them, probably keep people humble, you know. <laughs> it's like you think you're going to have all the cool insights. I'm like, okay, and then if there's a lull, I'll bring up this really cool insight, and then you don't even need to because somebody came up with something even cooler than you could think of, you know. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> more insightful. That's yeah, I great. remember we, we talked about a uh, communion one week, and I was like, "All right, these are five points about communion. I want to make sure that come up." And four of them got addressed by other people. I didn't even like yeah. lead anybody into them. They just came up, you know. It's like, okay, now I'll add the fifth one. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Cool. So, um, last quick thing to kind of close us out is there. Where can people find you online so they can follow along with what you're up to and what's happening in Western North Carolina? Yeah, so the the listeningchurch.com. Um, just make sure you put the at the beginning. So the listeningchurch.com. Um, it has my uh, Substack on there um, and some links and stuff. Um, that's probably the easiest. And then on social media, I'm Luke S Edwards. Awesome. Cool. Well, thanks for joining us. This this was a great conversation. Oh, yeah. It's great to be with you all. Yeah, yeah. You settled the rain down, too. It got quieter over here. (laughs) (laughs) I think people will like the thunder. It's like God God was with us in our conversation. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. I like that. Add to the (laughs) ambiance. And to those listening, thanks for joining in on this episode of New People, New Ways. If you enjoyed our conversation with Luke, please share it with a friend and don't forget to subscribe and to rate and review and all that good stuff. Uh, If you'd like to hear more about Fresh Expressions and the Rural Church Conference and all the stuff that we're up to, uh, you can go to freshexpressionsfl.org and find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. See you next time on New People, New Ways. Thank you.